0: You are tired of average. You want more out of life. You know you're capable of something greater. This show will help you become resilient in your home, at work, and in your community. Welcome to the Resilient Humans Podcast with your host, Kevin Wood. All right, hey guys. Welcome to the Resilient Humans Podcast. Uh, I have a special guest today. It is my friend, Scott Ramage. Uh, he has actually been an integral part uh, in this whole podcast creation. Um, my wife reached out to him a while back, just before I think it was my birthday. Uh, I needed a nudge, I guess, to get this thing uh, off the ground and, and moving. And Scott definitely stepped up, gave some, my wife some recommendations on some gear just to kind of get me going and get me started. Uh, and it has uh, led to where we are now. Um, Scott is a husband, a father. A fellow podcaster and also a business owner, uh, and I believe he's also come back into the uh, mountain biking scene uh, in recent years. So uh, I know that's something that he enjoys tremendously. So let's welcome uh, Scott Ramage. How's Thanks. it going, Scott?
1: Thanks, brother. It's going really well. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, it's fun to have kind of the the tables turn. And you know, I've chatted with you. I interviewed you, and then here you are interviewing me. And um, first of all, just a huge huge shout out to your, your success in this. You've, you've done it with excellence. And uh, I've, I've told a lot of people like, do what Kevin does. So that's I've seen this uh, be just a really, really awesome tool. And I think it might've been over a year ago, you started asking me about podcast equipment. I'm like, <laughs> yes, go. Yes, do it. Yes, do it. And then when your wife reached out to me, I'm like, finally, we're going to push him over the edge. And um, she's going to do the, the initial uh investment and then here you are and you've stepped right into it and uh talked to multiple people and they really are enjoying what you're doing so that's awesome yeah. i think it
0: it just needed to be the right time and i guess it was the right time because <laughs> here we are so
1: yeah yeah
0: awesome um so yeah let's let's dive in for uh a little intro here just uh kind of give us your background who are you where are you from what do you do all that fun stuff Whew.
1: That's a, that's a big question. <laughs> so uh, I am a little older than a lot of my peers. I'm, I'm 48. I've I'm been married for 26 years this coming July. I have two boys, uh, 14 and 17, almost 18. So I've been through kind of that, that parenting uh, journey up until this point, of course. And then I am an entrepreneur. I started out with a, a master's degree in education and did the education thing that became and was always entrepreneurial. And that just really bled into my life um, from early on. And so I've uh, owned multiple businesses, brick and mortar businesses. I've owned a CrossFit gym uh, and sold it. And I currently have a business that serves uh, gym owners. And so um, my my journey over the last 12 years has been out of uh, my own my own need to get my own stuff together, I was uh, always I put work in front of everything. So that's kind of where, where my real real story begins. Is I really dove into work, thinking I was doing the right thing for my family, and sacrificed everything else, and had a big aha moment, which led me to um, sell. I owned a bike shop, so I was very passionate. I'm very passionate about cycling, led me to actually sell that business, which actually fell under, created a massive financial strain. When I say massive, it was massive. And even when I talked to my wife about it a little back, she says, I think you're talking to, you're telling people we went into a quarter million debt overnight. She goes, it was probably more like a half a million. I was like, oh. <laughs> um, so over those years, that was 2009. Over the, over the last years, we've been able to uh, pay that off. We took no no help on that. We've been able to pay that off, but through sheer determination, personal growth, and uh, just really getting my stuff together and learning uh, what it really means to, to be a man, to be a provider, to be a husband, to be a father, and to be a friend. And so those are p- parts of my life that are probably the, the absolute most important, which has led me to uh, starting the Brotherhood of Fatherhood a couple of years back, which is a, which is a large online men's group as well as, you know, I have a, an event coming up which is all wrapped around doing hard things and learning hard things. So I know we can we can talk about that. And really, kind of stepped into this journey a few years ago, where I took on um, just I, I stepped into challenges with. Uh, from a story I heard, there was a real clear message to me that I had some work to do on embracing the hard stuff in life. And I know you talk about that a lot, but it's it's like one of those things I just am so passionate about because it's changed my my my. All, all of my existence has changed so dramatically by taking these steps to really focusing in on how stepping into discomfort and pushing through discomfort leads you to more and more opportunity and more and more impact and more and more personal growth. And those things have really kind of just culminated. And now I'm just super passionate about the brotherhood. I'm super passionate about my business. I'm super passionate about connecting with um like-minded individuals like you. And I just get pure joy out of, out of that existence. And of course, being a father and husband are the top of my list. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. I,
0: I know you have a very, and we we'll, we might dive into this later. Um, a very, I want to say systematic, almost hierarchy of what's important to you in your life. Absolutely. I, I believe you say God is first wife is second kids are third. And then it kind of levels out from there to yep. other people in your life. Um, I want to dive back for a moment you mentioned, uh, growing up or in, in recent years, you had that aha moment that kind of switched gears from work to things that might be more important. What was that aha moment for you?
1: So I had opened a bike shop and it was just like this hobby, you know, my wife, I do air quotes because, you know, I, I basically got a 300 square foot location and I paid beans for it. Because I had been a, a bike mechanic, a master bike mechanic and ski, ski tech when I was going through graduate school. And I loved racing mountain bikes. I was very into cycling. So I was, I was working for someone else. And you know how you always can do something better than someone else. <laughs> and I came from an excellent place. And then I was in my hometown again teaching. I was a full-time educator in the public schools. And I'm like, I can just wrench for the summer for myself, not for this guy. And, and of course I did that and I was making great money. And then it's like, well, man, I'll just do it on the weekend evenings and weekends. And this happened right before I had my first child, like right before months. And this hobby 300 square foot within, I think about six months turned into 3000 square foot. It turned in a full fledged business by the end of by five years later, I had five to six full-time employees. And, uh, and really what happened would I would get up at like four, three or 4 a.m. I would go work out, go to the business, the bike shop, do all the things that need to be done, look at the inventory, you know, um, make a list for my employees, things to do. I, I didn't have my organized systems at that time. Uh, and then I would go home, take a shower and leave for the school or I'd ride my bike to school and shower there. So I'm, I've not seen my family yet, all right? I would go to school from at 7 a.m. Yeah. Get to home at like three thirty or four, actually not home back to the bike shop and work at the bike shop until seven, eight at night. And that was my existence. Guess what I did on the weekends spent time with my family. No, I went on long bike rides and excursions with my friends and customers. And so I just had a misaligned purpose. I had a misaligned identity. I was, I was the bike shop guy and there was no way I wanted to give up uh, cycling. There was no way I wanted to give up uh, education. I was good at both. I was passionate about both. Uh, but one day I came home from the, from the shop and it was about 9 PM and something about it was like a Mack truck hitting me. We have these moments, right? These aha moments. This was my Mack truck moment. Basically I walk into the house. I can, uh, the imagery is so vivid to me. And I don't know why this was different because it had happened many times before right as you walk into the side door of our, our home at that time is a big dinner table. There was a plate on the table, no food, ev- all the lights were out and the entire house and the whole family was asleep. And it was that very moment. I'm like, whoa, this is not right. At that point, I had two kids and um, I, I tried to spend time with them. I didn't know how I was always working. I even went down to my bike shop on Christmas day to sell people bikes that were texting me. Hey, I want to buy a bike. i waited the last minute. I would do that. I'd leave my family and go. And so um, I had that moment, that Mac truck moment is what I call it. And it was like, immediately I went to my wife and said, what would you think if I got rid of one thing, either teaching or the bike shop? She says, yes, I need my husband. <laughs> I need my friend. I need a father in their lives. And so we made this immediate immediate decision. I talked to some, some people. (laughs) Of course, I talked to uh, the people who all wanted me to continue teaching and um, the bike shop was successful. And so I made the decision overnight and that was, that was the beginning of a very, very difficult journey. So that's that moment that really, really struck me. I don't know what, why it happened the way it did and why it took me so long or what it was about that one particular night, but the imagery is so clear in my head. It was just ho- immediately I was hollow. I was like, "Wow, I have failed at the things that matter."
0: You you painted a very vivid picture. Like I was starting to tear up seeing that. It's almost like a a scene out of a movie, like a very melancholy, damn kind of moment, right?
1: Yeah. Um, well, it's a scene in my in my head, a movie, a movie moment, which was tragic. It was really tragic but there's so much beauty in it because yeah. what it's done for me since it was, it
0: was your catalyst for change. Well, we have 100%.
1: There's
0: a, your kids might be too old for this. It, there's a, a movie called inside out. Have you ever heard of that one?
1: Yeah, and, I saw it. I watched so in, it
0: in the heads. There's like the th- five different emotions, like anger, joy, sadness. Right. Um, but in, in there, they also have what's called uh core memories. And these are, Orbs that are created that are just a foundation to that person, whoever it is. <clears throat> it sounds like this was one of your core memories, and it's going to be etched there forever, no matter what.
1: One hundred percent, one hundred percent. It it's it's helped define me and helped change me from the definition I had in my head of who I was or who I thought I was into who I really am. So let's let's look forward now from that. You decided it's
0: time to focus more on family, the things that are actually truly important to me. Other than that picture, like that, that's a very vivid picture that you kind of painted for us. Um, what were kind of the steps that you you took
1: from that point on? So I love telling that part of the story because you'd think, well, Scott, he figured it out really fast. He, he, he did the thing he needed to do, but here's what here's what the reality of it is, is that started... That, that started a two-year intense like depression and misalignment. It, it was actually way worse than it was before because I didn't have my identity dialed in. I didn't know who I was. We, we had the, the bike shop sold, so I sold no inventory. I hung on to it for the new owner. And literally in the 11th hour, he says, you know what? I've changed my mind. I mean, we were sitting down to sign the final papers and he's like, I'm Scott, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do it. And uh, obviously that wasn't a financial decision, at least because the finances were beautiful for that business. And I made the decision like, this is too important. I'll take on the debt because of the inventory cycles. You get a bunch of inventory and then you sell them and then you pay that, those, those invoices. And I had just made the decision. I'm still closing down on date, the date of handover. I'm going to, I don't know what with all this inventory, the, the owner had agreed of the building had agreed for me to put it in the basement and store it. And um, it was, I thought it was 250. My, my wife's like, no, it's more like $500,000. And instead of we talked I like, I don't want to file for bankruptcy. There was just something in my head that said, no, we're not going to do that. And I didn't. And so I'm now walking into a new life where I have go from working, you know, I don't know, 100 hours a week, 80 hours a week to if you, if you include all the group rides I was leading as a part of my business, probably over 100 hours a week of work to the 40 hours of week as a teacher is very efficient as a teacher. So I didn't grade papers all weekend. And um, now I'm thrust into a bunch of time in my head with a bunch of debt. And uh, another thing that happened was because my identity was based in the wrong things, when my customers didn't want to ride with me anymore i that was a massive hit to my ego and to like who am i they were all using me which it was absolutely like there was benefits for being my friend right there was benefits you got to work in the shop you got discounts you got to you got to hang you got to go on these epic bike rides you got all these all the, a guy that rides with you that'll fix your bike and they just disappeared in fact some of them told told me cuz well, there was, they, they just told me, Hey, like, I'm not interested anymore. It was, it was crazy. So I had all this time. I had no idea how to spend time with my wife anymore. I had no idea how to spend time with my kids. And I had all this time with my thoughts and it was just deep depression, two years, two years of depression, trying to figure out who I was. I gained a ton of weight and I, um, you know, I would just work around the house and try and stay busy and i was pathetic it, it was pathetic that's
0: it's a that's a, a deep story i mean man that you say 2 years you know in the grand scheme of things 2 years in your life is what not a lot but when you're in no. that i bet it felt
1: like forever it felt like forever yep. um, and then i had another moment i wouldn't call it a mac truck moment i'd tra- call it a pivotal moment and it was uh it was december December 25th and, uh, 2011. And I'm like, I am like 50 pounds overweight, maybe more. And I don't feel good about myself. So I figured the answer was figuring out how to lose weight as fast as I could. I didn't care what the cost was. I didn't care if it was going to shorten my life by 10 years. It was like one of those things, like, this is the answer. I'm going to lose weight. <laughs> it was crazy. I don't know why. And so I reached out, I was doing some searching on the internet. And, um, and on December 26, some lead form I filled out got back to me, it happened to be a like, I was looking at it for weight loss. It was one of these online MLM direct sales businesses. And uh, that next day, I, I knew nothing about it. I ordered product, I got on product. And let's talk about not like why those are so why people make changes when they do things like that. Sure. They're putting products in their body, but what is the real cause? And this is an anti MLM. It's not anti direct sales, but what the, what's the real cause is now you're cognizant of some things you need to do to change your behavior. And it's like a massive rock that you're stuck. <laughs> I was literally a massive rock. All I needed was a push, like to get me rolling. And now I had something, a tool and some, and then, um, and basically because I was good at business within the first month, I'd made a thousand bucks. This is a guy that's, you know, three, $400,000 in debt. And I'm like a thousand bucks in my first month. So I dove into that business. And here's the beauty about the business that I dove into. It's not the products, which helped me do what I needed to do. I lost a lot of weight. I got very, I got a lot fitter. Um, it got me into CrossFit, which was awesome, of course, but, uh, I went head first, knowing nothing about the business and grew fast. Within 90 days, my wife and I were bringing between eight dollars and $13,000 a month home. And it was changing our financial future. <laughs> and um, so that was another moment, this like bleak moment. But the reason I tell you that story isn't because we made you know money fast. And then we continued to do that for like eight years. We Real passive. We had passive income in co- coming in for about eight years until we had another jolt in our life. But reason I tell you that is because that company, when they trained you, they didn't train you. They just trained you on self-development. It was all about, so I would go to these conferences and I would have these amazing authors there, John Gordon. um, I mean, just these people who were just so positive and teaching uh, Andy Andrews, if you haven't read any of his stuff, very entertaining, but people who were teaching me how to see life. And my son is funny. My son just read the uh, obstacles, the way, which I gave to him, he's turning 18. I wanted him to do this. And um, he was talking with my, uh, my mother-in-law and she's like, well, that's just, that's not, that's not good. That stoicism. It's like a religion. He's like, so do you like, <laughs> he goes, do you like Andy Andrews? Cause he's read all the books. And she's like, oh, I love Andy Andrews. She's like, he's like, Hey, exactly the same concepts. It's just all about how to how to respond to the world and how to be choose positive and move forward. And she's like, you know, but anyway, funny side story, but I became this student of personal growth because I realized that was the thing that's. And I realized that my, my identity was so screwed up and my values were all out of alignment. And that was the journey that created me into who I am today. It took me probably eight years because I was still very selfish. So I was learning all of these things, learning how to grow this business, learning how to, air quotes, lead, lead a team. And um, I was able to retire from education, walk away from that, I was making a great passive income and I just dove into it. But, but I went through eight years of personal growth without the maturity needed to really make the changes and do the things to really step into that next level. So I see a lot of people now diving into personal growth. They're just reading books and they're digesting all this stuff. And my, my whole thing is, it's like, just slow down a little bit. Take that book that means something to you and just digest it and just churn it and do over and over and over and do the little things in that book until you've gotten everything you can out of it you know, uh, taking the meat, spit out the bones, the stuff you don't want, the stuff you don't need in it, but get, squeeze all the life out of that one concept, then move to the next thing. And that, when I started doing that, I heard somebody on a podcast say that, you know, I, I've gone from reading like 20, 20 books a year to like three. And I, was, I started to be a little introspective about my journey. And I said, you know, I've just been like, a content whore. Excuse the, the, the phrase, but like I've just been taking it all in for eight, nine years and growing a little bit just through the taking in. There's absolute growth, but it wasn't until I slowed down and I was so intentional that I was able to take massive steps. And the first step, of course, was figuring out what my true identity was, and then building those values that you talked about early, earlier, and then building out my life system that operates 100% in alignment with those values. And I always have to work on that. That's just, that's just a tough thing, but that's kind of the journey that I went through. In the meantime, I owned multiple businesses, including a CrossFit gym. I sold that so I could relocate my family for better schools. So we relocated. Then I was not working and I was bored and I had like, I'm just a busybody. I love business. And so then I got involved in a corporate and then I got, um, you know, Basically recruited by Sean Buck of Level Method into into the back into the fitness world and and the story unfolds to where I'm at today as a podcaster, a business owner, and um, a men's group leader.
0: That's a, a lot of stuff that you just went through. <laughs> I was like,
1: man, I just I just went crazy there. I just yeah. told
0: you a lot. <laughs> I'm just writing all these notes down as we're going. So um, I really like what you said about the books because I was on the exact same path that you mentioned. How many books can I read? Because it's always like, hey, book club, 50 books in, in a year. Great. Cool. Did you learn anything? No. Well, then what was the point? Right. right, right. Um, I often, I think you, you actually posted it, uh, man, it was a while ago and it was about what's your top, top book list. Mm-hmm. And I, I took that and I wanted to ask people, what's the, what's the book that you've read more than once? That's, that's the question. Because if you, if you read a book more than once, it means that it had an impact on you the first time you read it. And it's probably a value to read it again. Kind of like when you watch the Matrix movies, when you watch it the first time, you you kind of get it. But then when you watch it again, you're like, oh man, I didn't notice that part. Right. So it's the kind of the same idea. I'm currently reading um, a book choice theory for my Mm. fourth, fourth time. Um, Every time I read it, it's always, I get deeper I think about more things uh, and I just come away. I feel like a better person as a result. So it's not so much how much can I read? It's what can I extract out of that th- th- when I read it the next time?
1: I just put that on my list. So anytime I'm talking to somebody and they mention a book, I evaluate whether I think it's worth it or not. And there's two different lists I go to. There's that, that, that choice theory will go to the top because the fact that you've done it multiple times, that says a lot to me. And that's, uh, you know, I really admire that about you. I've noticed that you really, instead of like moving from thing to thing, to thing, you're like settling in, or you have always settled in. I don't know. Um, But it's just been, it's been really cool to watch because it's you and I, when we have this, this idea of like, okay, choice theory, I'm getting a lot from it. I have a lot more to grow. I did that with obstacles the way, like I found that, that stoic philosophy, although not my religion is my, an an operating system that was getting me from responding overly emotional in certain circumstances to being cool and calm and looking at tough stuff as a great opportunity. So I read it like four times. And then of course I, my wife has read it and my son has read it and I can't wait till my younger son wants to read it. And so like when, when we get to this point where I see all these people, like, look at all the books I've read this year. I'm like, It's like everything inside of me, not to to message that person, say, stop, just stop it. (laughs) Like, just stop, go back to the one that really impacted you the most and just get every ounce of meat from that thing. You can and do it. Like for me, I listen to the book. If I like it, I buy it. Then I will read it and take notes and do the stickies. And I will listen to it again. It's usually a three or four time round between the two. And that's my that's that's my process for reading now. And uh, you know, I did uh there's just it, it's just such a great catalyst for stepping up your your game in the next to the next level. So long story short, I put choice theory on the top of my list. Sweet. <laughs> and,
0: and I think you're really gonna like it because it really it's it's almost like stoicism,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: it talks about the psycholog like the psychology Ooh. behind it. So you know, I'm a big, I'm a science nerd. That's what I did in university. I, you know, Two. social psychology, all that fun stuff. I have a um, degree in
1: psychology, and I worked in the social work world. I didn't tell that part of the story. So there you go. There you go. So I, I'm gonna really love it.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. The book, the book. All right, I have these notes. I need to keep Great. keep myself on track. There was a book that you actually recommended to me, and that is the Comfort Crisis. Uh, mm-hmm. I mentioned this, in, I think the interview that you interviewed me in. Uh, yeah. The or, the origin story here. Um, what are some? So I'm currently listening to it. My, I guess, operating system for that is I now listen to the book while I'm holding the physical copy. So good on 1.8 times speed. I'm mm-hmm. getting. I slowly as I've gone through the book, r- ratcheted up the the speed of it. Um, but I feel like when you're listening to it by the author and reading it at the same time or following along, you can retain so much more from it. Anyway, that's yes. a little hack that we can hash out later.
1: That's a, that's an Alex Herm- Hermosi hack too. He says that in one of his that's books. That's exactly like, where I
0: heard it from. Yep, and as soon yeah. as he said that, I was like, next book, boom, that's what I'm going to do.
1: Yep. Um,
0: are there any lessons that you learned from that book that, that <sighs> you've taken away? Cause this is the book that you recommended to me. I'm almost finished. I think I have, a maybe a hundred more pages left, but, um, what are some lessons that you learned from that book?
1: I just love that book because there's so many different elements that he weaves in and out for me, I had done such a good job on stacking habits and building them into a, like an operating system. Um, you know, I have a system that I use that we, I learned and then have fine-tuned, um, from somebody we know. Well, I don't know if you know, uh, uh, Nathan holiday, Yeah, you do. Of course you do. Yeah. So Nathan coach level method is
0: literally right in front of my face. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. So Nathan, and I actually saw him, um, at a friend's uh, memorial service this weekend, but, uh, we talked about it and, uh, I, I took this and I, I had these operating systems. So the one thing that I hadn't really kind of really kind of dialed in yet was nutrition. And when he kind of went through the nutrition things, you know, I, I I live and breathe in the fitness world. So I see all sorts of nutrition content. I hear all sorts of things. It sometimes can be a little like dividing because you've got all these different opinions and all these different people who are successful in it. It's like, which one's what, but what I learned was the, 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 stuff about hunger pain. And then when I took that as that's doing a hard thing and I like to do hard things and I'm, I'm starting to play these games psychologically with nutrition. I'm starting to leverage what I learned from that and, and use it in my own life. It's been a game changer for me. And the other one was just quiet time, like without your phone, like literally, you know, he stared at the ground and studied everything and, and you know, the microorganisms and the, the biome of where he was at and, and just kind of visualizing what would it be like to have that much time without any technology and so i've done little mini challenges like i'm not gonna putting my phone away and that's that it's done and those have really moved the needle for me so there was so much to take in from that book i've done i've read i think i've read it once it's it's on my repeat list it's the next thing because there's more to glean from that but for anybody who's kind of like struggled through the whole nutrition thing one get a coach I I'm just going to put that out there to yep. understand the psychology about it, um, which your coach should help you with. But in that book, it kind of talks a little more in depth about it. And um, those are those are I know it's kind of funny, but a lot of the stuff for me, I'd already been studying. And so I, you know, the doing the hard thing and um, the, that's been kind of like this thing kind of built inside of me for a while. About three years ago, I was at a, four years ago, I was at a conference and a guy came out it's really funny because have you seen uh, rich froning shirts that say into the storm yeah and it's so he loves bison i love bison you can see if you're if you're not seeing this but if you were to see me there's a photo of a bison behind me it's kind of in all the logos i do it's it's a thing but so rich froning was at this conference but there was another guy before him who came out and told the story of the bison and how when the storm comes over the mountain they see it and they start running for it because if they know they go head first into that storm they'll be in it less time it's going to suck it's going to come at them at the speed that they're moving and you know plus the speed it's going but if but if they walked away from it or ran away from it you can never outrun a storm it's going to keep going they're going to be in it so long it'll kill them they will die and so instead they run into it and get through it faster and so man, that story, this story was told so vividly. And I was just like, wow, that's that's like uh, just a vivid imagery in my head. <laughs> then the next speaker was Rich Froning. Within a month, and I kid you not, within a month, he dropped his first Into the Storm shirt. Rich Froning did. And I'm thinking he probably got his start in that from the same speech I heard. It was powerful. And so... Um, that was such an impactful moment and that's how I like to look at everything. And I have no clue where this started, but, um, where, where I was going with this, but it has been like this mindset of mine from, for, for three years, maybe, maybe longer. And it's been so vivid. I have, and my wife, now my boys, my wife, they buy me, they buy, when they find posters, not posters, but, um, pictures to hang on the wall. They buy them for me, of bison. So I have them almost in every single room and the whole family, um, embraces this concept, which is just a amazing concept, you know, like instead of running from stuff, just go headlong into it. And it's going to suck. And right now nutrition is what I'm going headlong into. And it's making a ridiculous impact in my life on how I feel and function every day. And so, um, Yeah. I don't know where I was going with that, but I'm very passionate about that whole concept.
0: Well, that, that all stems from the book that we are, uh, yes, we are living longer as a society, but with what quality of life. Right. And when we embrace discomfort, when we go run into the storm, that's when we truly start to live. And that's when growth will happen. It sounds like that, that story of the bison, uh, was a core memory for, for both you and Rich Froning, uh, so much so that it, it was a catalyst for change, right? It's, yeah. it's inspired you. I saw your, uh, your recent, uh, logo, you were looking for some votes on <clears throat> which bison head to, to put yep. for your event coming up. So I didn't right. know about that. So that's, that's actually really impactful. Um, awesome like to be able to find find that story I, i'd like to be able to hear that if, it, if it's somewhere online it I is mean.
1: online and it, it's actually told in multiple ways but it, it's always the same message and it's it's actual science facts i mean this is this is the way they operate especially like in montana wyoming where there's yeah. huge mountain ranges and there's you know wild wild bison i like to call them buffalo but there's wild bison still sure so. yeah yeah yeah
0: that's awesome. I mean, that's, that's m- the main topic of the book is, is getting out of your comfort zone. And, mm-hmm. um, it's great that you kind of learned that lesson from it. Um, same, same idea for me recently just finished, a just o- over 63 hour fast. And it was oh, a result that. of that book. He was talking about how they were rationing just a couple granola bars each day. Cause they still haven't made a kill yet. They, they didn't have fine supper basically. Um, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm too comfortable in my, um, lack of hunger. Mm -hmm. I need to do something. So I would actually, I would do this every year. And then over the pandemic, I just didn't, I was just kind of already going through things. I was like, I don't want to add any more discomfort, but I was ready. And I was like, let's do it. I think I almost doubled the the last time I did a fast. So
1: I was watching that journey. Uh, and, and, you know, like I was trying, I was kind of thinking of it and uh, about it. And um, I'm going through a journey of some watching. I'm, I'm carefully watching my blood sugar levels and kind of how my body responds to food. I was like, that's not the journey for me yet, but the, the big point here is Kevin is what do I, what can I do to always be pursuing being out of my comfort zone and, and then testing. The testing of that is incredibly important. And that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about, like I'm I'm doing this event next September. There's a lot of tests that are going to occur in this event. And that's, that's the point is to bring men together and show them the power of overcoming things that you may thought might be too hard, right? It's not going to be a punish fest. There's going to be some amazing things going on, but, but, there's got to be challenge. One of the hardest challenges for men, in my opinion, is accountability. And then uh, something I'm also very passionate about, and I just want to share this because I want to share it is we talk a lot or I talk a lot about intentionality. Are you intentional with your wife? Are you intentional with your kids? Are you intentional with your faith? Are you intentional with your friendships? What does that look like? How does that play out? But I've turned this up to the next level, because I realized that a lot of people are thinking intentionally, but they're not Acting intentionally. And when you do something hard, you're not thinking, oh, I'm just going to embrace hard things. You're acting with intentionality towards improving your own limits and making sure that you are as sharp as you can be and you're always learning. And so um, what I've seen from you is active intentionality. You're taking action on the things that matter. And that's something that I think can change our the world immensely. It can change the culture of, um, I'm going to get deep here. It can change the, it can change the culture of divorce. It can change the culture of, um, you know, not just not being a good parent or being a good person or being a good business owner. There's a lot of this that actually has such bigger meaning that could literally shift our culture. So I think it's very meaningful work. That's,
0: that's a really awesome way of seeing it. And that's kind of the point of this podcast. It's I've, I've had some core memories throughout my life and I've considered writing a book about it, but I have specific people in my life that when growing up, when I look back, have, they've been basically a catalyst for change or really molded and shaped who I am today. Mm -hmm. And I want to be able to, you know, pay, pay homage to them to say like, thank you. Even though at the time they didn't know that they were doing that. And I would like this podcast to also be that catalyst, that that vehicle for people, so that we can share these stories. They can listen to it, they can become inspired, and then they're themselves going to inspire others, and it 100%. just spreads. I can see it. It's like it's like a wave, and it it just we we can take over the world, Scott. Let's do I this. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah, man, I'm ready. Me too. <laughs> um, I want to end with one one thing here this, this is about resiliency. And I'd love to hear what all all the things that you've said over this podcast are obviously amazing. And I hope people get, get something from this. I'd like you to share one of your top tips to becoming more resilient, to becoming a more resilient human. And I want this to be something like actionable, because that's, again, I always try to end these podcasts with, here's something that you're going to do. So what are you going to challenge our listeners? to do to become more resilient?
1: Uh, So uh, what an awesome question. And it's, I'm going to, I'm going to give them the formula to my own success was it was almost new years. I was listening to podcast, and um, the gentleman on there was saying like new year's resolutions suck. They just don't work. We get this big picture of what we want to do. And I had read um, atomic habits and I had, you know, kind of downloaded it, but in my brain, but I hadn't done the repeat thing. Um, and it's, it was like a smack upside the face. And so from that moment, I'm like, I am going to do one thing until it's perfected, just one thing, and then I'll add something else. And so I did that one thing and it wasn't a huge thing, but I did it every single day no matter whether i was traveling i had to get up an hour early i had to it did not matter it i there was zero excuses and i did that one thing until it was such it was not a habit it was a ritual and when i got that ritual down and i felt good about it i added the second thing and then i did that and the second thing caught on faster because it was integrated in the first thing, which was literally every morning start your day with I already had a little bit of a routine. So after that, go for a walk. And it's not about technology. It's not about, it's about being in the present. And I and then I start, I added after that was like, I can't ever miss that. That is my soul time. That is my like just everything happens. My brain gets loose. I feel alive. I'm in in nature. I'm hearing birds sing. I'm up with the sun, which is, by the way, the the physiological um, effects of that. Then I added a very, very tough one, which I'm glad I got through, was 10 minutes of that walk had to be gratitude-based, and it was out loud. So And so now I do gratitude out loud walking in my neighborhood and then I get to a park. I'm sure people think I'm crazy. I'm up before most, but I'm sitting there talking out loud. I'm so grateful for, I'm so grateful for, and now I've done it for so long. It's I have to turn it off. I have to stop. And I I actually have a place in my walk that I know is 15 minutes. And if I'm not done, I stop there. Um, And it's like this morning, this was beautiful This, this morning. (laughs) it turned into poetry because I'm always trying to improve it. So then I'm just, I'm like riffing this poetry. And it's like this, this long poem of gratitude. And, um, and, and, and I, again, I had to stop. I had to stop when I got to my point. And so people are like, how, how, and why, and really the intentional thing here is what everybody must do is they must do something to start their day with the right mindset. There's all sorts of ways to do it. I'm not saying everybody needs to go for, you know, for me, it's 45 minutes. My walk route is 45. They don't need to do that. They don't need to do a 10 minute gratitude walk, but what they need to do is something that puts their mind in the right place because you will either command the day or the day will command you. So find a way for, to command the day. And usually that means you're doing things that are putting your mind in the right place to go after it and not let setbacks be day-long setbacks. When you have a bad moment, you define that as a moment and you move on. You've got to set yourself up so you don't have bad days. So that's like, I'm so passionate about it. My morning routine is ridiculous because I absolutely love it the way it is. Not everybody can do it, but I believe everybody should find... Something that starts their day right. Whether it's like me, before I even get out of bed, I do, I read aloud my affirmations. And those change depending on my personal growth level. Um, So even if it's just like that or writing down two things you're grateful for, like it's so incredibly important to command your day with the right mindset you're speaking to my heart, man. <laughs> yeah. We've had these conversations before. So
0: definitely Scott and I were uh, part of a mastermind group. And that was my, uh, my presentation to the group mm-hmm. was on my morning routine. Um, very similar minus the walk. Although this morning, I actually went out for a walk. I was up early. We have a new puppy and, um, Odds she, woke, will do that. she woke me up quite early today. So I was like, screw it. I'm just going to go out for a walk. I didn't actually take the puppy. I took the other dog. Cause <laughs> I wasn't mad at that one. So <laughs> Awesome. Uh, yeah. Definitely starting your day right it, with the right mindset. And like you said, it doesn't have to be anything drastic. It could literally be, you know, look in the mirror and say something nice to yourself. It's, it's literally that simple. It does really not is. have to be crazy. You don't have to do a Matt Chouinard ice bath for, for 15 minutes. Like nothing. It doesn't have to be crazy. Um, it can be anything. I love that. That's a great, very easy, very actionable and it's uh, customizable. Like each person can make it very individualized to whatever fits them and their current situation, whatever they're in. If they only have a minute, great. Spend one minute of silence or choose not to look at your phone for the first 15 minutes that you're awake. Whatever it is, that's something that you can always do. And like you said, do it every day until it becomes a ritual. Yes. Love that. Great way to end this, Scott. It's been a pleasure. I want to thank you again for spending some time with me today, chatting about your story, all these ways of becoming more resilient. I'm really pumped about this episode and I hope we get a lot of ratings, reviews, and subscribers as a result.
1: I would, uh, Kevin, thank you. I'm hijacking you here for a minute. Thank you. And I would highly, highly recommend that people do exactly what you said. Go rate, uh, follow, subscribe, do all the things because it absolutely makes a difference. And you and I both know that this message has to go out to the masses. The message has to, this is the real place of change. No matter what your political views, no matter what your, 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 your spiritual practice, your beliefs, that stuff will all come into play and you will just be able to have better discourse with individuals if you do these things. This is the catalyst for you to be the absolute person, best person you can be. And you're telling the story and I'm so excited. about. It.
0: Love it. I'm going to share all your stuff in the show notes. So if cool. people want to get into the brotherhood of fatherhood, I know it's a free group that you have on Facebook. Uh, I I'm recently a part of it as well. There is so much good stuff in there. Um, so yeah, I'll share all those in the show notes and I hope people, uh, jump in there and start in interacting with others, uh, in your forum. So again, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others or leave a rating and review to catch all the latest episodes. Be sure to subscribe and I'll see you next time.